Cofield and company back here, Final Four, ESPN Las Vegas, on the road. I got the insider next to me, who's not working, Joe Esposito, as I called him. He's the best booker in the business when it comes to college <laughs> basketball coaches. We did shows for a couple of years, and it was like a cornucopia of stars. And look at this. Tubby Smith is here with us. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and our old friend... <laughs> Marvin Benson. Yay! Uh, you're right. You have the yeah, fake the clapping. I prefer Marvelous, but we'll go. We'll go. Uh, marvelous. I haven't had a chance to talk to you in a while. It's been a while. Good to see you. We're going to get into your ruse job in a, in a couple of minutes. Sounds good. Joe, nice job. Hey, I'm, I'm working. I'm working out there. I know. He's still texting people. He's I, getting I'm coaches for tomorrow. Right now. I'm trying to get a couple more guys in here as soon as I can. <laughs> All right, Coach. Everyone's a coach here, but uh, for Tubby to start, What's it like for you now coming to the Final Four? Is it you know kind of a chance to catch up with all old friends and? Well, it's it's beautiful. You know, there's nothing like this convention. You know, you go to a lot of different things, and and I'm at an age and stage that I'm. It's just rewarding to be back and with Joe Esposito and Marvin and these you know people that that you love and and have been a part of your life. And basketball has been good to me. It's been good to us. I yeah, mean, yeah. so. I've been grateful that um, that you asked me about coming back here. This is what yeah. we look forward to. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny for fans out there. I think they they have this thought that like you guys are all rivals. You know, coach against each other. They don't like each other. Right. And then I see you guys all together, and I'm like, oh, they're they're actually <laughs> friends. I see them. They don't seem to like each other during the season, but they're all buddies. It wow. is. Uh, it's a natural phenomenon, isn't it, Tubby? It's like we hate each other on game day, but then right after we can go hang out and have a beer together. You know. Well, if everyone, if we could. If there wasn't a W and an L, then I'd want Marvin to win. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I'm I'm coaching my nine year old grandson, and you know they just having fun. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of the way you feel when you when you get away from the game. Right. When you get right. away, but you're right. right. It's a it's a battle. And no question about it. Just like like Tubby said in the. Steal a phrase from, I think it was Garrett Morris, basketball has been very, very good to us. Hey, <laughs> no question about that, brother. We are all are so blessed oh, yeah. to, to be able to pay mortgage doing what we love to do. It's, yeah. it's crazy. It's, uh, it's funny. Good, Jeff. Well, how about for me? I mean, I got my old boss, my old boss who taught me probably the majority of what I know in the game, and I got my new boss. And I always say, this is what Tubby would do. Marv, this is what <laughs> Tubby would I, do. He ain't kidding either. I know every... Tubby Smith saying there ever he ever said, and and we never and Joe can tell you this, I never looked at it as if I'm your boss. You know, we always felt like it was a collaboration between, because, I mean, I'm sure that, that Marvin counts on you to do a lot. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how would have survived at Memphis, Texas Tech, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Well, I appreciate and, that. And you know, we've been friends ever since. What is it? Allen, you know, uh, yeah. Frankie Allen. Frankie Allen, yeah. I met him when he was at, you know, he was a true white shadow back then. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been the first white shadow at Tennessee State. Was, was, Joe, were you Joe the first was, white coach in the First HBC? white guy at Tennessee State. Yeah, yeah, I was the first in the HBC, but first Tennessee State. Yeah. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, Coach, see, I don't know if you guys know, but Tubby used to play football. Tell him what position you played, Coach. I, you know, I, you know, we played – um I played, what up? I played halfback, okay. tailback. Actually, okay. it was a tailback, and you know, I remember one day we were, the game was out of reach, and family was, we want Tubby. You know, I'm from a family of 17. They're screaming, yeah. we want Tubby, we want Tubby. 
So, so coach called me up and said, I thought he was going to put me in the game. He said, tell me, you better get in your stands. I think your family's calling for you, bro. <laughs> but but then, you know, every time I would try to get in the game, the coach would say, I start in. He'd go, tell me, get your tail back here. So I, yeah. th- so I thought I was a tailback for all those years. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a backup quarterback. <laughs> Marvin Menzies, Tubby Smith, Charles Zito, Coach Joe. Coach Joe knows. He's with us. Um, you know, one of the cool things uh, I, I, I see here is the guys coming up who are trying to get jobs. Yeah. And guys who have gotten jobs recently, like Tobin Anderson from FDU and now at Iona. I mean, what a story. The guy's coaching a Division Two at St. Thomas Aquinas, gets a Division One job, and then pulls off one of the greatest yeah. upsets in the history of the game. I mean, that's that's cool. Yeah. It's amazing. The, the And the parody now, with and not to get too long-winded, but... You know, Joe and I were talking about the the different seeds that are in this in this final four, and without the without the portal, that that doesn't happen. You know, yeah. typically the rich get richer, but sometimes the middleman can slide in there. You know, and that's that's kind of what's happened. Don't get Joe started on the portal potty. I was never a big fan of the portal. Like I think, you know, and I'll tell you right now, Tubby Smith sitting here. You know, he said it, and he took a little criticism for it when he said it. Yeah. But after Memphis, when some of our guys left, Coach said, you know, and and you can say, Coach, what about this is you're teaching kids to fail. To you know, quit. we're not teaching them, we're teaching them to quit. Yeah. Teach them how to quit. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, things didn't go well. Coach got in my face. I didn't play the minutes I wanted to play. It's, it's bizarre. It really, and it's cost some teams at the, it's cost some of the blue bloods. Because yeah. that's, they're the ones really getting hurt by it. How how will those teams ever? I'm not. I don't feel bad for them, but yeah. how will those teams actually get old together? They never will. And then you see how many are leaving, even winning programs. Like I Caleb. Mean, I don't know Caleb Love's story, but they Carolina. Won, they won a national title a year ago. He was one of the key players, and it was like, ah, how can you how can you how can you leave here? It, it, it is. Is there a better place? Yeah. Crazy. Well, you know, and, and the thing from the coach's side now, we were. This is my first time through. Uh, a portal cycle actually recruiting it and I'm realizing that uh, you know the whole game has changed now mm-hmm. so typically you know and you add the NIL to that and then you add you know and, and guys navigating that on, in the gray areas and you just you got to be have a great but, culture and keep your guys there but that's tough to do because at the end of the day that's you know, what's money so, talks. that's what's so amazing about what Jim Laranega has done in Miami yeah yeah because well, he was at the forefront of that a few years ago mm-hmm. when he was taking some transfers and people going and Jim but you got to have a certain personality too oh yeah no question as yeah, a coach no yeah yeah you got to be able to deal with the deal with the yep. dynamics behind the scenes and know how to navigate that we we took a well, thank God. At least, to, at least as of today, when I checked the portal, we, we, we had full we had full retention. You know, there was a couple couple guys we, we we helped to get you know more minutes. But you know, when you really look at the the percentages of who's in the portal, half those guys got pushed out. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But that's but right. you don't know that if you're a, somebody oh, recruiting them. So you're I trying tell, to figure it out. I tell well, okay, that's a good point. Um, but I tell my audience, hey, you know, there's a lot of times coaches are like, hey, you know what? Yep. It's time to go somewhere else and get more minutes there. Right. Uh, but that is another part of the story because then people see kids leaving and they're like, oh, this coach is terrible. No. Like, right. it wasn't right. always, no. It's not always determined by – because I think there's a, well, the kids get a bad name too. Where they're, oh, there's well, 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 Sometimes he, there's better spots for them. Yeah. Well, they still got to go to class and some of them don't yep. want to do that. So that's – and you as a coach, you're not going to come out and say that. Of course you can't. That he had other issues. Right. You right. can't do that. You can't. You can't. I mean, you, you legally, you're not allowed. Yep. Right to comment about that. So so there are a lot of reasons why the transfer portal is so big now. Right. Here's, here's my philosophy re-entering it now. I, I tell my 
recruits. I said, you're getting the best version of Marvin Menzies. At 61, I am the best coach I've ever been. Now, I don't know how good that is, but it's the best I've ever been. And I would tell folks all the time, I tell the recruits, I tell the parents, exactly who we are. We present who we are, and they either want to come or they don't. We've, we've had kids that say, oh, you know, you don't have this or you don't have that. Okay, well then, technically, I, I wouldn't want you there if you're not going to come and be happy. Right. Now, you can talk to any one of my players in my program. The one thing that we would do, and, just, and I've learned a lot of this from Tubby, is, is being a, a longtime friend of his, is just if you tell these kids the truth and you are totally honest with them, they might not like it, but if it comes from a good place of motivation, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna hear you at the end of the day, I think. The, the right kid. Well, I wanted to mention to that point, when uh, when you lost your gig at UNLV and Marvin Menzies is here, I, I keep telling people, you know, fans want continuity. I think Marvin's team was all coming back. Oh, like most of the group back. was coming back. They were all coming back. And that was going to be a good group, you know, with Hardy and Shakur. Uh, and JTT, and you know, I, I don't know what happened with uh, Tomboy eventually, but he he was a hell of a talent. Like I, that group was coming back. Right. Well, they were, and it, and it was, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, uh, we had a new president or an interim president, I think, at the, at the time. We had a new athletic director. Yeah. Uh, people make moves for their reasons, and I don't. Hey, listen, that's their job to do what they want to do. My job is to, to represent myself, my family, and develop these young men into being the people they want to be. I tell people all the time, that might have been a, one of the best blessings in my life is to not coach there because I started an academy in Africa, which is now empowering and developing young men that would never have a chance otherwise to. It's going to change their whole generation. Every kid that, that goes to that academy, the M Squared Academy, is now changing his whole generation behind now, if I was still the head coach at UNLV, no that time. academy would have never have happened, you know? That's beautiful. That's wonderful. The game's changed. I mean, it's, it's just changed from, from when you coached, won a national championship. You had all those guys that became seniors. That's and, right. And how they developed together, Saul and, and yeah. Shep and all those guys that you had. And, and uh, the game's changed. Now you have a new crop of people to play. A new team, and the fans got to get adjusted to new new players. Well, so it's just a cycle. Well, you wonder, where are you going to call home, son? That's why I say, where, where are you going? You got to have some place you call home. Now you were here, you were at Iona, you're here at High Point. Now you at Cal State Fullerton. On that, where can you go back to? Yeah, you can't. You know, I, I don't know. We don't want you back here, High Point. We appreciate you, and, yeah. but. No, it's it's real. You know what I mean? We love you. Loyalty's a two-way street. Yeah. yeah. So is, I'm wondering what they're going to do later. Yep. That is well, a where, where point. Gonna, where's your alum? Where, where, you, when you have an alumni graduation, yep. of course, I'm going to my 50th um, reunion from High Point. Mm. So I've been on this committee, and I'm thinking, well, I'm contacting guys that went to school with me and people that were in my class. And I'm thinking, these kids... This is, for some of them, it's their third or fourth school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where's your five-year or ten-year anniversary going to be? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> well, I mean, the most important thing is where your contract is going to be. You know? your job. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, that, I'm shocked that parents allow it a lot of times. And, again, I'm not anti-transfer portal, but I think you gotta you got to think about all those connections. You know, you get out of school 10, 15 years later, you you need to know people. Right. If you don't well, have it's a kinda like, job. It's kind of like your resume. It is. Somebody's going to look at you and say, well, you were here, here, and here. Right. So it doesn't look good. Right. Doesn't, doesn't look, look very good. Right. 
Well, you know, sometimes, though, you're not, you know, like I wasn't my wife's first choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So sometimes you might need a change. Oh, I, don't think you, I don't think you were your second wife's first choice either. Leave the man alone, man. Well, <laughs> but hopefully your third wife will be your first choice. God forbid. God forbid. Oh, oh, Mary's not listening to this show. <laughs> That's Joe Esposito, Tubby Smith, Marvin Menzies. Last uh, couple minutes here. Yeah. You started at San Diego State when? Uh, two, uh, 1999. Oh, you were you were there from the beginning. Yep, right oh, from the boy. first inaugural staff: Greg Godley, Brian Detcher, Marvin Mintz. Wow. So yep. we had Steve Fisher on earlier in the day, and you know he told some of the stories. What was it like when you first got there? He was saying like no one cared in the oh, community. Yeah, no it one. Was, it was and it was an amazing thing to watch. It was actually a part of the blueprint that I'm using now at at, at UMKC because you got to get out and work and develop real relationships. We sold Steve Fisher. We didn't sell San Diego State. We didn't have any recent history. But we sold Steve Fisher, and he worked his tail off. I mean, I'm talking about, I watched this man go out and speak. I think it was 80 out of the first 90 days, just, Mm -hmm. you know, selling the vision, presenting the dream. And people, you know, said, hey, let's get this guy a chance. He's been there. He knows what it looks like. Been to Final Four, you know, and his resume speaks for itself. And so it was easy for me to sell a coach like that. And we had we side signed I shouldn't say I but we signed the first McDonald's All American ever there. Randy Holcomb who's coming tomorrow. Uh, I talked to Al Fox. I talked to uh, Carlo Kovacic. I talked to Mike McHale. Um, he's coming in town. I mean I can't wait to see all these guys. It's going to be a phenomenal reunion. What do you think of the job that uh, Steve Fisher did and you know handing oh. it off to Dutch and Dutch was a really good coach. Fantastic. You know Steve, you know won a national championship first year. What it. The only way interim, I get it there, yeah. but then he, yeah. won a, he won a national championship with Michigan, right? Yeah. yeah. So that tells you what his ability with level was, and then he moved on from there to San Diego State, and that, I don't know, Smokey Gaines. Smokey Gaines. You, God was, rest his soul. He Smokey had Gaines. Smokey Barbecue. I, I hope it's still open. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, he passed away. Yeah, he had he But he's, you know, he used to talk about San Diego State. I guess he had uh, what, Michael Cage. I yeah, guess, Michael Cage. Yeah, played for the Clippers. Yeah, and rebounded fool, yeah, boy. Yeah, but he was. He always used to say because he was like the first black coach at a Division One school in California. One I first think he black. was. I think he might. Well, yeah, and I, brought, I don't know if he was the first. But I, I bring that up because you brought up Steve Fisher, so it's right. you know, and you the talk history. about what you have the history, and then you have to build that program because they were dormant for a long time. Yeah, man. dormant. <laughs> and they, they, the latent phase the was latent thick, deep and thick. Yeah. <laughs> But it's amazing, and to do what Brian's done, you know, he's been there the whole time. What twenty years? Yeah, more than that. More than that. Coach in waiting, he could have left, I'm sure, a bunch of times, and he had he had a chance to potentially go to Minnesota a couple years ago. Probably a big boost in pay. He's like, nah, yeah, I have it going on here. I mean, the other thing is, and we can close on this: they made it to the Final Four, and you look at the roster; they're old. Yeah, yeah, they're old. Yeah, they got guys to stay. Yeah, well, they got guys to stay. They got uh, they got a couple, you know, targets in the portal that they did a good job with. But their culture is amazing, and it hasn't changed since Steve was there. It has not changed. I swear, while you know, watching covering UNLV, it's it's the same style. It's the same exact team in build. It's just different guys. But it, the, the consistency over like 15 years now has been nuts. Well, think about that. If you if you get a a winning style as a freshman or a sophomore, and you stay yeah. and have a chance to actually grow in it. And you develop in it. Well, heck, I mean, let's face it. Consistency is a part of the, the, the formula. No question. So what's the plan, Joe? Where are you guys going tonight? Where are you partying? You well, got, you know, you there's a, a couple spot, things the going food guy. on. on but, you know, I'm, get, I'm getting old, so I'm probably just going to hang <laughs> out with my wife. I'm going to ask Tubby what he's doing for dinner and, and just kind of hang yeah, out. We might get together. <laughs> Steve, I'm going to let him tell you that story, but we'll be at the pumps party first. <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't let him lie to you, bro. Thanks, guys. Tubby Smith, Marvin Menzies. Uh, Joe's going to stick around. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. All right, thanks for having us, Steve. Yeah, good to have Tubby Smith and Marvin Menzies and Joe Esposito's coming back in just a couple of minutes. Big party tonight, viewing party at uh, SG Bar 215 and Flamingo. Willie, Willie Ramirez, is going to be out there. It's a 5 o'clock start with a 7.30 puck drop, so the party is going down right now. But Willie's going to be on the scene from 6 to 8, 7.30 game between the Knights and the Sharks. Chance is going to be there. The Vegas Vivas are going to be there. They've got pitcher specials on Coors Light, Miller Light, and Blue Moon. Any Jack Daniels drink is also on special. And Willie at 8 o'clock is going to be giving away tickets to the Golden Knights game against the Kings on April 6th. Go see Willie. Go see the Vegas Golden Knights. SG Bar, 215 and Flamingo. Game starts at 730. The party begins at 6 o'clock with Willie Ramirez at SG Bar, 215 and Flamingo. Sign up for an A-Play card and receive a guaranteed $10 in free play with a chance to win up to $150 in free play at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. Hey, rolling on. Westwood One uh, Radio Row. Cofield on the scene in H-Town. You heard it. Uh, presented by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Joe Esposito continues with us. If you uh, miss a conversation with Tubby Smith and Marvin Menzies, that'll be up after the show at lvsportsnetwork.com. And Joe, I like Houston. Uh, what do you think about it as you're down here for the NABC? Yeah, it's, it's not bad for a Final Four. The, the, the venue's a little further than people want it to be. You know, I think that people like the San Antonio where you can walk to the game yeah. or you know, or Indianapolis. I think those are the top two. It's going to be nice when it gets to Vegas. I was going to say Vegas. You can walk to. It's going to be nice. I don't know where I'm staying. As long as I'm not staying at the Luxor. Because I heard about UConn. UConn, it was a bad The Luxor is fine. There was a gaffe. They checked into bad blocker rooms that they hadn't cleaned. It's okay. I mean, but still, you know, you got Carrot Top there. That was one of my favorite guys. Uh, we just, you know, we just had Carrot Top I on saw two days that. ago. I was so we jealous. Love. I wanted to call in, but there was nowhere to call. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Carrot Top. But, you know, it's a great organization, the National Association for College Basketball Coaches. And I've been part of it now for 36 years. This is my 36th Final Four. And I've been on committees. I've been part of stuff. I've done spoke at these things. And it's just great to see coaches together. Yep. And the camaraderie that there is. It's not like it used to be, though. I'll be honest with you. But um, it's still really fun to see the greatness of these great coaches and interacting with everybody. We fixate on the head coaches, but the assistant coaches need love. And I'm not just saying that because you're an assistant coach. You know, the more I get to watch college basketball up close, you really see what goes on during the game. It's upheaval. It's chaos. And the head coach has to concentrate on certain things. And the backbone a lot of times throughout a game are the assistant coaches. You guys got to cover a lot. No question. You know, obviously the scouts are important because the coaches concentrate on the next game. So you're preparing two or three, four games later uh, that are coming up. Also, offense and defense. You know, there's usually a guy in the staff that does the offense. I actually do offense for Marv. And, and then we have another guy that works on defense. So when you look at, you know, a whole staff, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of moving parts. And the, and the coach got the head coach has got to be like a CFO or a CEO and just run the whole thing and put it all together and then put your product out on the floor. So you do see a lot. So the uh, the new DC in essence at UNLV, a defensive coordinator is uh, Barrett Peary. You know him pretty well, right? I do, I do, and he's a superman. He was at Texas Tech, and I was there, and we talked a bunch. And uh, he's a super guy. I know the Vegas fans have got to love him. And another one of my friends on the staff is Coop. Coop yeah. I can remember when Coop was at Tennessee State, and I was at Tennessee State years back, and. We used to sing the, the school song together every time we talked on the phone. If I see him out here, we'll be singing the school song again. Coach Joe, he's with us. Coach Joe Esposito on Cofield and Company. You know, we did a good three years uh, with Joe on the show as the insider, basically hosting his own hour, bringing in coaches. So 
we're uh, glad to see him here. You know, the other cool thing about the NABC, and we talk about all the coaches meeting up, is this is one of the spots where uh, aspiring coaches, young guys, who might be, you know, fifth on the staff somewhere. This is how they make connections. You got to come out and kind of meet and greet, and maybe it's a way you get a, you know, a bigger job. No question. And years ago, there was always the joke where guys would actually pass their resumes out in the lobby. So everybody wants to know where the coaches are. So there's a main headquarters, which this year is the Hilton here, and then every coach that's not at the Hilton comes down, sits in the lobby, and just wants to meet guys. And it's all about relationships. Did you ever do that? You know, I did it a like little bit. Like that aggressive where you're, hey, coach. I, no, I wasn't, passing out, I, wasn't passing out my, I wasn't passing out my resume. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because we just talked to Tubby Smith today on, on, your, on your station. And, you know, he was a guy that I got to meet through a friend. And I pursued and get to know him. And before you know it, when he goes to Minnesota, he hires me. And we were together for 12 years. So it is about relationships. Just like Marv. When Marv got the job at, at UMKC, I was getting ready to retire. I was out in Phoenix. I was coaching a high school team, and it was about time uh, I figured I'd settle down, and we bought a beautiful home, and my wife and I were loving it. And then Marv called her first and said, hey, I, I want Joe to come with me. And she's like, I don't think you're going to be able to get him out of here. He loves it here. He enjoys it. And then he goes, well, what is it going to take? And she kind of said, what does he make at Texas Tech? You know, like all these questions. <laughs> 24 hours later, I didn't even know this was going on. He calls, and he says, hey, I can do this, I can do that, I need you to come or I'm not taking the job. Oh, wow. And we've been friends for 30 years, and I really love working with them, and we're looking forward to turning this program. Joe, this job is different than it was even five years ago. It is. So how are you guys going to deal with it? Do you like it? Are you shocked by some of the stuff that's going on now in terms of team retention and team building? Well, you know, it is different, and I think the biggest thing that we've got to concentrate at our level is trying to keep our players, because as soon as a guy has a good year, Boom, someone wants to get him in a portal and take him to the next level. Because all these low-level or mid-level teams are sending guys up. Now, even D2, you're seeing some guys go power five from D2 schools. You know what's crazy? Cam Martin, who uh, was it like Southern Missouri State. Then he went to Kansas. He goes to Kansas. Like, all these mid-majors are recruiting. He goes all the way up to Kansas. Is hurt the whole year. Now he's back in the portal. Boise got him in for a visit, so there's going to be a feeding frenzy again with him. And I tried to get him. I tried to call him and try to get him. And, uh, you know, that's the other piece of this whole thing is the NIL. That's one of the first questions you're going to hear when you talk to a kid. You know, how much can you offer? Or, well, we can't do anything. And you're we not supposed to be doing anything. You're not connected to it. We're not involved with it. So we can't do anything. So we can't even we can talk that. So, um, but this is the way it's going nowadays with the, with the, uh, with the NIL and, and teams are getting different things with different collectives. And, you know, we haven't started a collective yet at UMKC, but we're going to try to. And it's just part of the times. So uh, you're aware of the fact that I, I go to Kansas City often. I have a bunch of radio friends who live there. So when you told me you're going to Kansas City, I was like, yeah, it's a cool place to live. So what do you think so far? I think it's great. I do. You know, as a matter of fact, Adam was out there. He was out there really, last yeah. year, yep. and he was trying to get me to go out with his boys. Like my first day on the job, <laughs> and he's trying to get me to go out with his boys. And I'm like, there is no way yeah. I'm going to be able to get to work the next morning if I'm out with him. So I, I didn't go out with yeah. him. But Adam's classic because uh, he's usually the designated driver. He doesn't drink often. But he usually is around people who will throw it down. So once you get wrapped up, it's on. Well, he was staying in the dorms or something. That was the crazy. He <laughs> says, right. he says, I'm staying in the uh, in the dorms. I'm like, you're staying in the dorms? What does that mean? Oh, we got this place or something. But he's my guy. I just saw him on TV. Did you see that picture? I know. Um, I think it was Fran Frischel. They were showing Fran. Yep, and he was them right talking. behind me. He was right behind me. And I didn't see, like, any food. Like, I was hoping he was going to, like, bite or eat something. <laughs> but I was going to rip him. But, uh Anyway, it's been Kansas City's been great, great barbecue, great people, and it's a sports town. Look what Pat Mahomes done to that place. I mean, yep. incredible. And I remember Pat when we were at Texas Tech, 
and he was there and got to meet him and my daughter graduated with him and uh, just to see the excitement even the royals who aren't going to be very good everyone's excited about the royals and soccer is a soccer's big, gigantic there oh it's unbelievable now we get the nfl draft we got the world cup and we have a brand new airport and that airport is beautiful. You feel like you're in Vegas. I'm, I'm Vegas flying airport. in in uh, like 24 hours. So you're not going to believe looking, it. You're going to love it. Looking forward to it. Joe Esposito is with us. What do you miss about Vegas? I miss the excitement. You know, I miss the 98 shows that I went to while I was there with my wife for two years. Um, I still think Las Vegas is the best job in the country. I've always, I told you guys, and you knew I always wanted to work there. I interviewed with Raleigh Massimino. And I think I just love the excitement. I think now with the culture of basketball, Vegas could be a power. Um, the Mountain West is getting so much better, and I really believe that uh, Vegas could be that job. Um, the fan support's got to get picked up. The collectives and all that stuff's got to get picked up, and I believe that they're going to put a great product out there and hopefully they'll get back to where they were. And I see there's some alumni. I saw Larry Johnson uh, was out. You know, I see some more alumni getting involved, and that's a good thing. Joe Esposito, the coach, former UNLV assistant coach on the uh, Marvin Menzies staff, coached at Texas Tech and Minnesota and... Memphis. We just talked to Marvin Menzies a couple minutes ago, and Tubby Smith will have that interview up on LV Sports Network uh, right after the show. So what do we think happens here in the Final Four? First of all, uh, I actually, I, I kind of blurted out when we talked to Steve Fisher. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. And it almost sounded insulting, but it's the fact that a Mountain West team made the Final Four. But when you, you start to put it together, San Diego State is one of those programs, those mid-majors, that should make a Final Four every once in a while because... You know, they've grown things, they've got a culture, they're usually pretty old, and the kids just get it. And then the other thing is they play a style of defense that is just ridiculous for a lot of teams. You know, one-game meetings with them, and you're like, I, what? Like, you might be able to diagnose them in a couple of meetings, but a one-off, you got to go against this defense. is crazy. I know, and their defense has definitely been the deal, and defense travels, like everybody says. And, and you know, I, I think one big piece is, is Coach Dutcher's been there for so long. I mean, I think consistency with your staff, consistency with your coach. As soon as somebody has a bad year, they want to get rid of you. They're on your back. They want to move you on. They want, to, they want you to leave. And I think when you have a consistent coach like that that's been there forever, he's 63, I believe, now, and he's got, he knows the place. He knows everything about that school, and he's brought in some great players. The portals helped them, yeah. no question about it. But they don't do year-to-year, like, no. hey, we're bringing a stopgap guy in for a year. That's pretty rare. Um, like I think last year they had a big from Maryland who was there just one year, but they bring in transfers, and then those guys are there three years. Like I'll tell you, on Matt Bradley, what I had heard about Bradley, because he was unreal at Cal as a yes, scorer, is, I, I had heard at Cal they're like, you know what, enough of this. Like he was just hard to corral. He wasn't going to play a whole lot of defense. And for San Diego State to turn him into a completely reliable guy on both ends of the floor, he's not always consistent on offense, but he brings it defensively. Like his attitude has just changed. Well, you know what that is? I think that's culture. I think the culture of your program, I think the, the opportunity for you to grow your program the right way, kids aren't going through change. And then you start feeling comfortable with the coach. They start feeling comfortable with the system. And defensively, when you watch those guys, they really play as a unit. And they're tough. And they're physical. And they really play hard. And uh, offensively, they're a little challenged. I wouldn't call them a great offensive team. No. But they do the things they got to do to win the game. Take good shots. Take care of the ball. And try to score off their good defense. And that's the biggest thing they do. Joe, we're going to wrap it up. I think you're going to be out here tomorrow. We're going to be grabbing some more coaches. I appreciate you pitching in today, and that was a great spot. And have fun. Come yeah. on, go out late tonight. What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, I might go out a little yeah, bit. Well, I'll, a little I'll bit. meet up. We can go, <laughs> we'll go get hardcore at like 845 tonight. That'd be perfect. Give me a bed early.
There we go. Joe Esposito, uh, I'm already looking at plans of uh, maybe a Cajun place. Maybe we can meet up in about uh, a half an hour or so if he's awake. He's going to be awake, believe me. He'll be out partying for a little bit. Our coverage here on Cofield and Company at the Final Four is brought to you by NetSuite. To gain visibility and control over your business, take advantage of the special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months from NetSuite by Oracle. Head to netsuite.com slash hoops to learn more. Coming up, San Diego State legend Steve Fisher. Yep, his squad is here. He built all of this. Brian Dutcher took it over and is uh, now taking it to a new heights as the Aztecs are in the Final Four. Get 77 bottles of Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra on Golden Knights game days at the Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. Rolling on in Houston earlier in the day, I had a chance to uh, sit down with Steve Fisher, former San Diego State head coach. And believe me, folks, uh, you know, as I told Kevin Kruger in the first hour, I'm a fan at heart, so I'm not I'm not real big on rooting for the other Mountain West conference schools. I'm a fan of my school uh, in the north uh, east. I don't know why I said the north. In the northeast with uh, Rutgers. And yeah, I like to see UNLV do well. And San Diego State freaking drives me nuts. But you got to give them props. They made it here. And a lot of it's because, well, I would say most of it is because of what Steve Fisher laid uh, from 99 to 2017. Dutcher has taken over. They're here, and I started off the conversation with Steve Fisher. Man, this is uh, this is pretty crazy. What a collection of teams at this Final Four, including your SDSU squad. It is that, but I think even and don't discount even Connecticut, who's uh, got three or four banners hanging for championships. The rest of us, the first time ever in the in the Final Four, uh, and I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, boy, I'm surprised. I can't believe we're here. I knew we were going to be good this year. We've been good for a long time. You know that. We've had great battles with with Vegas over the years. And uh, this is a team that's made up of 22- and 23-year-old guys that play like that. And they're fun to watch, and they're hard to play against. Yeah, we knew you guys were good, and I saw this team on multiple occasions up front. I guess it's just like, hey, you finally you broke through, and this could have happened a couple of years ago. I think people forget that was an unbeaten team until UNLV you know, got San Diego State once. Um, that was going to be a one or two seed no a couple of years ago during the COVID year. So um, you built this. So how proud are you of what you, know, you and Dutcher have accomplished now working back to 1999? I'm immensely proud. Uh, we came in, Coach Dutcher and I, in 1999. And it was apathy at best. Uh, four games they won the year before. Nobody came. Nobody cared. We won only five games our first year. 0-14 in the league. A year and a half later, we won our first road game. And we celebrated like we were at a Final Four. <laughs> so it's to see what, uh, what we were when we started and where we are now, it's... Uh, it makes me very, very proud and happy for everyone. Yeah, it's one of those dreams that a lot of markets and a lot of schools have where you talk about, hey, sleeping giant, this school can do it, and everything has to come together. So for you, what do you think the most important thing in terms of coming together was, you know, especially at the beginning and those first five, six years in terms of setting a culture? I would think that has to be one of the biggest things, right? It's all about the people. It's about the people that you have that you work with as coaches and the people that you recruit. And we really worked hard to get the best on both sides. We've put a coaching staff together that we felt was exceptional. Then we gave them responsibility and freedom to do stuff. And many of them stayed like Coach Dutcher for a long time, but not just Coach Dutcher. So then you look at uh, 
it, the, an administration that's supportive. So massive. It's so, so critical. And most places, you know, they cut and run if you have a couple of bad years in a row, no matter who you are. And they stayed with us. They were supportive. They believed in us. And the players then did. We went out and recruited. We took some selective transfers out of the gate. Tony Bland came in our first year. He was an All-American who from Fairfax High School in, in L.A. and then went to Syracuse, came back to San Diego State. Randy Holcomb, junior college All-American, went with Tark at Fresno State, came back to San Diego State. And, and we, we filled in with the Walton name. We, sh- we signed the youngest Walton, yep. a great addition to us because Bill Walton now became a part of that program. So you did it one brick at a time and... Didn't worry about, you know, where we were today, but knowing that we would be really good tomorrow. It's the voice of Steve Fisher, longtime San Diego State head coach. He's built this thing. Dutcher's taken over and done a, a great job. Um, and the crazy thing is, over the years, um, I, I don't know how selective you were at the beginning with transfers. I'm sure you were. Now San Diego State is really selective with transfers because there has to be a buy-in to what you guys do. There just has to be. Oh, there's no question. We We were taking transfers probably before a lot of the other schools were. But we weren't just willy-nilly taking transfers. I mean, we selectively recruited junior colleges. We selectively took transfers. And uh, I vividly remember when the landscape changed, and we labeled it the Kruger Rule. When Lon gets his son to (laughs) come over from Arizona State. Senior transfer. Everybody said, what's going on? And... He came in and led them to the tournament, yep. I think. Yeah, I think he did. They, yeah, they went to the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. So now all of a sudden everybody's recruiting fifth-year players. And now with the portal that's opened up and with all the stuff swirling around, you have to be careful and not just grab the guy who scored the most points that's in the portal, the MVP of a league maybe a little bit below you, somebody that's disgruntled. You better know, do your homework, even though you might not see them as much as you do these high school players. But it's there, and it's, it's, it's a viable part of what everybody does. It doesn't matter who you are, Duke, Carolina, anybody. It's great Steve Fisher here on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company, Final Four, Westwood Ones, Radio Row, and San Diego State is here. They made it. They've been building towards this for a, a long time. Can you tell us, you know, as I'm watching TV, I see Adam Seiko and I see Agueca Rope crying. You know, these are older guys crying. What do you think they were thinking and why they were getting so emotional? I think because they have uh, been there for an extended period of time. I recruited Adam Seiko. He's a six-year player. Agrook, we affectionately call him A.G., I told him a month ago, I, I said, A.G., you're my MIP. And he looked at me. He said, he, I said, most important player. Yeah. You are the most important player on this team. I said, don't think that goes unnoticed. And you are. And he is. I mean, we've got a group of guys that are selfless, that care about winning, and that have done a magnificent job blending together to be a true team and understanding that when teams have success, everybody's individual status raises with right. that. Yeah, we always joke on the show in Vegas when we watch a rope, 
because the broadcasters from CBS were raving, right? And you're talking about a guy who's basically, you know, four points, three rebounds. But, like, when he does those numbers, when he puts those up, it's always the most important time of the game. Like, there he is again. A rope. He got nope. him. No question. No question. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. Uh, if you watch him as much as I have, you would understand what I'm saying. And you're, you're, you're alluding to the same thing. Yeah. He wasn't going to play this year. I and heard Dutch that. did a great job of saying, well, come around. Be a manager and help us coach a little yeah. bit. And don't all practice. Of a sudden, right, don't practice. Yep. And he doesn't practice at all, hardly. Yep. He practices like the NBA. Practices when he wants to practice. <laughs> but he's so valuable to them when that game starts. The uh, the rivalry uh, against UNLV has gotten really one-sided. And that wasn't the case when you first got there. You guys are really kind of taken over. I remember when we came my first year and Vegas beat us by 100. <laughs> and... Uh, we said, this is what we aspire to. This is who we want to be. Lon Kruger and I go way, 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 way back. I love him to death. He's a spectacular coach and a better person. He texted me not long ago, maybe with, you know, within the, the last two hours, about how proud I must be and how happy he That's is cool. for our team. Uh, so I have great respect for Vegas and people who are there and you know with Lon's son coaching there now I, I, I pull for them when they're not playing us. Coach I appreciate the time and congrats on what you built here and what uh, Brian Dutcher's taken over and uh, good luck in the Final Four. Thank you very much we're excited to be here. 777 gets you two hot dogs, two bags of chips, and a 22-ounce Bud, Bud Light, or Michelob Ultra Draft on Golden Knights game days at the Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Yeah, very cool setup here for the Final Four in Houston, and it's definitely a big town. Uh, don't forget, you know, the Astros are here, and they're opening, so you got 30-plus thousand fans over there. This evening, right now, that game is scoreless in the top of the second pitching duel between Dylan Cease and Framber Valdez. Earlier in the day, I got to talk to a 13-year major leaguer, Jeff Plum. He does uh, color work, and he's the analyst for the Astros, just to talk a little Strohs in baseball and a little bit of the A's possibly coming to Vegas and no uh, Jose Altuve is not going to play for the first six, eight weeks of the season. He got hurt in the WBC, and I, this part of the conversation, I asked Jeff Plum, uh, what do you think of all the hate for the WBC by some people about the injuries? If you're going to say you shouldn't have an exhibition game between countries, then you shouldn't have exhibition baseball at all. Right. Or, you know, the NFL is cutting back on their games. Uh, but these, these games mean something to these guys, and I think the way we saw them playing actually showed that it did mean something to them. And I think it meant something to the game of baseball, too, to kind of showcase their diversity and their global effect, watching Shohei Otani pitch to Mike Trout. I think there were some good aspects of it, but there's plenty of people in Los Angeles right now that are arguing we shouldn't have spring training because because Gavin Lux blew out his ACL. You know, that's the argument right there. But I think it's good. There's no good time for it. Anytime you get a guy hurt, it's terrible. But I'm happier that it happened in March as opposed to July, August, right. or September. How about Trey Turner saying he never heard a stadium that loud when he hit one of his home <laughs> runs? Like over Major League Baseball, saying well, it was the loudest, like the one of the biggest moments he's ever been involved in. Yeah, I'm, I think there were, might be a couple of Philadelphia Phillies that might argue that fact, yeah. being here in Houston for Game yeah, 6 yeah. when Jordan Alvarez <laughs> hit the home run over the batting eyes. So, I mean, there's arguments all over the place. But it's also maybe a little bit of a testament to the fact that uh, some of these guys haven't played in that big environment in the World Series like the Astros have. And, you know, Shohei Otani said the same thing. Mike Trout said the same thing. But I also think it kind of it sends a message to ownership of some of those other ball clubs out there that say we need to get these guys in position so that they can be showcased on these grand stages. Because everybody, what, what's the idea? Win a world championship, number one, but also be on the biggest stage and, and, and show your talent at the highest level. 
you guys are doing it right here in Houston with the Astros. And Jeff Blum's with us, who does color, and, and you played for the team. In terms of ownership, spending, you know, to make money. <laughs> you spend money to make money, yeah. and I don't know what's going on with the Angels. It oh, is man. weird. Did you, I don't crazy. know if you saw the note. Well, for, I mean, we can talk about Otani and Trout and not surrounding them the right way and not yeah. spending on a payroll. A note just came out the other day. Their broadcast team is not going on the road. They're going to do the broadcast remotely. Like at this point for Artie Moreno, who already said you know, a while ago he was going to sell the team, pulls him back. Like, what are you doing? Why, why even own the team? I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, a couple of years ago, we slapped that label of Los Angeles on the team to kind of raise the market value of it. And then he threw out the feelers saying, hey, I'm going to sell the team. I'm not sure what happened behind the scenes or if anybody offered or what kind of contingencies were in place to renew the stadium, renovate the stadium, or build a new stadium. I think there's a lot involved with that. But at the same time, it's amazing to see the cutbacks and have him understand that he has the two best players in the game of baseball on his team. He has a unicorn in Shohei Otani that everybody is tuning in to watch, whether he be pitching or whether he be at the plate. And those guys deserve an opportunity. And if I'm Mike Trout, I'm frustrated. I've been there for six or seven years, and I haven't. I've had one opportunity to go to the playoffs. I think he has every right to be uh, frustrated. It's it's fun to watch those guys being in this division as long as we have been, but it's still shocking at the same time that they have not even sniffed an opportunity to win a division. I'm mean, gonna have to think they're they're probably not going to be highly competitive. They're yeah. going to have to move Otani because uh, he is going to get he's who knows what he's going to get. I mean, he could get ten years and five hundred million dollars, well, and I think he'd be half billion doesn't sound I, too out of the question. I think he'd be worth every penny of it. Absolutely. Um, baseball to Vegas. With the A's, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you brought up a good point talking before this. You know, if you do move a team to Las Vegas, they're going to have to produce. You're going to have to put a product out there that uh, that that the city can can find equity. And I think the Knights have provided a good example. I think the Raiders are trying to provide a good example of what they can do moving out there. But I think you're right in the sense that if you do move a team out there, that uh, that organization is going to have to commit to the city as much as the city is going to commit to the team. And is it the Oakland A's? I know that's the easy choice. That's uh, that's the bargain choice for them to be able to move out there. But I'm not sure the the A's organization is the proper organization to function in an environment like that because they have been so frugal. They're going to have a bunch of young stars that you can point at and say, look at this prospect, look at him. But what they've done in the past doesn't turn you on as far as, far as loyalty to a city because those guys will be jettisoned in four or five years before they get to free agency and get their value back in younger players. So I think it's interesting. I think it's definitely an option because of the success of the Raiders and the success of the Knights and selfishly being in the American League West. Yeah, yeah, good road trip. <laughs> if you could add <laughs> Vegas to that road trip, I'd be more than right. happy to avoid the Coliseum. Yeah, brand new stadium and not the Coliseum, right? The, the, the smell <laughs> yeah. of the Coliseum. Jeff, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. No, great being on. Thank you. There he is, Jeff Blum, color analyst for the Astros. Played with the pod squad multiple times with the Strohs. Actually, one of the rare guys. Well, he's not rare because he's retired, but who actually started his career in the Expos organization. A great day of radio here. A lot of fun guests. Want to thank Westwood One for setting us up on Radio Row. Thanks to former San Diego State coach Steve Fisher for coming on. Illinois coach Brad Underwood. Kenny Blakeney, the emerging coach uh, and story at Howard. Brad Powers, our sports gambling insider. Former UNLV coach Marvin Menzies was on with us. Coach Joe and of course current UNLV coach Kevin Kruger started off the show in Houston on Cofield and Company. And of course thanks to our friends from Finley Subaru of Las Vegas on Rainbow on the 215 and online at SubaruofLasVegas.com. And Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Ari, thank you. We'll see you tomorrow.